So our customers can order from one manufacturer and know that it may come from multiple U.S. facilities or it may even come from a, an overseas facility, but they're not having to go out there and make a half a dozen phone calls to, to fill their orders. They can make one call to pack and can better fulfill those orders than we ever had in the history of pack. Welcome to episode seven of Let's Talk Packaging. I'm your host, Donald Anderson, here today with another great episode talking about our flexibility in the market to offer different products from different locations and really allow our customers to take advantage of our strengths and flexibility. Our guest today is Lance Fletcher, and Lance is a uh, 25-year-plus employee of Pack Worldwide and has really covered so many different parts of the company and seen different facets of what we do and what we do well. You'll hear all about that in here in just a moment, but I just want to thank you for all your time spent with us this season. Thanks for joining us. Right now, we'll take you straight into my conversation with Lance. Lance, thank you for joining us today. i really excited to have you on. You were someone that we targeted early on as you transitioned into uh, your new role here at Pack. Um, not that you're new at PAC, but your new role at PAC. <laughs> uh, and so, I've had a few of them. Yeah, you've had a few of them. Well, why don't you fill us in a little bit? Can, can you tell us um, about your pre-PAC days? Because those are pretty um, interesting, and I'm sure as they set you up for your time at PAC. And then what have you been up to at PAC over the last uh, just a few years? Wow, my pre-PAC days uh, go back a couple of decades now. Um, I was in the Air Force. Uh, joined as a uh, crew chief. So I worked on F-111 fighter jets for a few years and then got a degree in industrial engineering and got a commission as a logistics officer. So did a lot of combat readiness planning. And it's uh, it was an eye-opener to see <clears throat> what we did as a country to prepare for war. So from there, well, I met... <laughs> Going way back, uh, I met Phil in in Austria uh, when mm -hmm. he was overseeing his brother. So Phil is the chairman and founder of PAC. And um, when I got out of the service, I reached out to him. And in 96, 95, um, PAC uh, hired me in operations when we weren't even manufacturers. Sure. So this was long, long before that. Um, from there, uh, I went to Mexico. Um, Started the company down there, Pack Mexico, where we do all of our converting for paperboard, and now our poly lamination plant, mm -hmm. and oversaw quality. Did um, that for a few years, and then got into sales, and then account management, and from there oversaw contract packaging uh, and business development, and now international sales. So yeah. it's come come full circle. I know you're, you're back in uh, old territory, I guess, in some way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you've seen a breadth of different um, facets of what we do. You've seen us go from, you know, essentially a packaging broker to a uh, big, big manufacturer. I mean, we're, we're our footprint's growing uh, significantly. And I, I think that's really what we want to, the heart of what we want to talk about today is this footprint that keeps growing for PAC, not just domestically as we um, 
talk here today, uh, officially last week, I think it became public news that uh, the plant in Atlanta is opening later this year. Um, you know, as we grow our footprint here domestically, uh, Phoenix, Atlanta now, uh, Cincinnati, and uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, international is growing too. So would love to talk about that. Um, you mentioned Mexico. Why, why don't we start there? Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how Mexico came about? You were there right at the start. Well, as we transition, as you say, from a broker, and uh, just to touch on that, it has been an amazing journey uh, to watch PAC grow as a company. And um, I know that, you know, at the heart of that um, is the culture we all love being part of the PAC um, culture. And we've, the leadership, um, has really been deliberate about keeping that through the growth. And so that's, I think it's an, through the growth. And so that's, I think it's an important aspect of who we are today. Um, and certainly from where we started, which as we were talking, uh, I went down there to manage a Maquiladora contract because we had realized that to really, you know, step out to be the company that Phil had envisioned we needed to get outside of just buying and selling packaging. So we were controlling our manufacturing through Maquiladora is the way that started. And we did that for about six months and then realized that, you know, we needed to achieve better control of our destiny and that mm. meant manufacturing ourselves sure. rather than contracting someone else to manufacture. So it was not more than about four months into that journey that Phil said, hey, let's look at starting our own facility. And um, I, I quickly learned more about international business and business <laughs> law and, and NAFTA at that point yeah. than I ever wanted to, to be honest with you. But uh, so we uh, leased the building and, and moved equipment and um, started rebuilding uh, some of the equipment that we currently are, are using now uh, to manufacture the paperboard. And, and our primary target for the products that we produced was air courier. Mm. We really were uh, all about air courier market. Back then it was, you know, airborne DHL, UPS, and now it's, it's branched out from there, certainly. When uh, the mail jacket, our paperboard mailer, was the primary, now known as the mail jacket. Um, Correct was the primary uh, creation there. What went behind choosing to start with that, choosing to start there as opposed to um, some of the other types of packaging that we were brokering at the time? Uh, that's the one that we found a partner in uh, Ponderosa, which, it, and it's funny, we talk about sustainability. You know, that's the big buzzword. But even back then, we were focused on, hey, let's, how do we as a company support our environment and our future, uh, our children's future. And uh, through Ponderosa, they have 100% recycled paperboard, which was really rare mm. back then. And not only that, it's it was, and I think still is, 97% post-consumer. So wow. they were taking you know, newspaper, they were taking um, corrugated boxes, they were taking checks um, to watch this sort center in San Juan del Rio, where our plant is, uh, was really amazing because a lot of their paper source was uh, freight trained in from the U.S. and other countries. So 
we were producing 100% recycled board um, in our plant there. And that's really the reason uh, for that locale and starting that that product above the other ones that we currently produce. Now, it wasn't shortly after that that Middletown, or actually Lebanon, mm-hmm. started in the plastics. So it was it was kind of a one-two uh, within a few months of each other. But sure. the reason San Juan was chosen was because of our partnership with the plant uh, in San Juan de Rio Ponderosa. When you... You and by you I mean PAC as the the company uh, chose sure. to take things into Mexico. Why was that the choice at the time compared to you choosing to go domestic for your making our air jackets, our poly bubble mailers in Cincinnati, Lebanon? Why take that international but keep the plastics here domestic? Uh, it, it was really about uh, the paper source at that time, and to find a recycled paperboard that we you know felt good about producing and and putting into the market ponderosa offered us i think the ideal solution where we felt that nafta was coming on board and so looking at this from not only an environmental but a business standpoint made a lot of sense to move our equipment as we purchased it down into mexico Mm. so that we could take advantage of the the paperboard facility there. It was, I don't think that there was a lot of availability of 100% recycled paperboard in the U.S., at least from what we were purchasing before as a broker. Sure. It wasn't there. So fast forward uh, 20 plus years now since, since we opened that plant. Let's talk about what we're doing down there now. I mean, we the growth has been significant, especially in the last five years down in what what has been the original plant in Mexico, but then also added another location uh, not too far away from the original location. Can you kind of walk us through what are we doing down there now? What new uh, offerings are we taking, uh, whether they be new to the company as a whole or um, moving some of what we've done domestically to that plant because we've found out that we've done do that well down there? Putting a plant in Mexico the manufacturing culture footprints are, are normally much different than what we find in the U.S. And so to have a plant down there that has the advantages of the material sources and the, the labor with a U.S. mindset is pretty rare. Mm. And so as we established ourselves as a manufacturer, it was uh, – we. It was easy um, to find a really good labor force mm. because of our culture and our mindset as manufacturers in that country. And so as we did that, we found that we had built a team that had some really unique uh, expertise. And so as we looked at moving our business from brokered to manufactured and looking at the expertise that we had down there, it was a pretty easy transition to move from converting paperboard uh, to printing and converting paperboard. Mm -hmm. And then from there to printing poly and converting poly. And as the market grew for our PJs or flat poly jackets, it made sense to establish a manufacturing footprint there with the the team um, that we had built 
in Mexico. And to speak about the other plant that yeah. we have down there yeah. now. Yeah. So uh, it was probably four years ago now. Man, time flies. Hey, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. That, that we said, hey, there's a market out there that um, we're not involved in. And it's, you know, pouches. And more and more companies are looking at pouches versus a, a rigid container. And so we thought, hey, that's, that is an adjacent to what we do. So let's get involved in, in Sierra Liggett, who I think you had an interview here a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Manages that specialty packaging division. And so when that started, we looked at, at overseas. So a lot of our partnerships and development of that business was out of China, which was great uh, at a starting point. But again, looking at controlling our own destiny yeah. and, and how to build a future that grows within our culture, we have slowly moved that business uh, to the plant in Mexico. And that was a decision that Jim, our, our CEO, made as far as expanding that product division and found a, a really good fit in a in a plant that's not far from San Juan del Rio. In fact, it's just outside of Cretaro there. And we are doing laminated films and pouches and printing. And so it 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 is, you know, one more step mm-hmm. in the evolution of who we are as PAC. Yeah. So now, nowadays, we are making mail jackets, poly jackets, uh, pouches, um, uh, both stock and custom of all those things. So um, Mexico for us is not really a uh, small location anymore. They, They really do quite a bit of the percentage of what our distribution takes and uses day in and day out really comes from uh, south of the border. The yeah, the only thing that they don't do is bubble. And sure. that's an altitude issue. Oh, because really? Because as you, you make bubble, uh-huh. because San Juan del Rio in Mexico, where they're located, is almost a mile. So okay. certainly well above sea level, um, a, a mile in altitude. Uh, and if you produce bubble at a, a mile in altitude and then bring it down to sea level, because of the atmospheric mm-hmm. pressure difference, it will yeah. deflate oh, at I, sea level. So I never knew and, that. And that's that's the reason that we don't do that. But everything else, you're right. We we're doing um, the flat poly printing. We're doing the lamination films. We're doing the paperboard, and we're also doing um, contract fulfillment there mm. for one of our major customers. So we do everything except for the bubble there. Um, and they've expanded their footprint. When I first leased that original building, we've added three buildings onto that original one mm. uh, in San Juan. And then we've purchased uh, a fourth, I guess, building, as you could say, um, outside of Cretaro. Wow. So why is this significant, friend? Why is our relationship south of the United States, um, but not overseas? Why is that significant benefit for them? So that's part one of what I wanted to ask you. And then part two, how do they approach selling, using it to their benefit as a tool in their toolbox? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Um, you know, the overseas connection, a lot of people 
you know, obviously other companies use that and, and we started out doing that as well, but there are challenges. Uh, there are, you know, logistics challenges, time frame challenges, lead times, uh, even cultural challenges. Mm-hmm. So as we found those to be more significant and given that our management team, manufacturing teams in Mexico had the manufacturing breadth to expand into more poly and laminated films, etc. We made the decision to do that, which, you know, that it's, that it's under pack is mm-hmm. certainly a huge advantage that it's not a partner right. that we have in China that, you know, par- companies use that, that term pretty loosely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I buy from somebody, it's my partner. Um, this is actually part of pack, which is really, really a significant difference. And the other aspect is the lead times. Mm. Um, we're there about half the lead times and our ability to do really just as high a graphics, uh, that you can get from overseas and the lamination of the, the products that we can do there now that we've outfitted that plant with some really high-tech equipment from manufacturing standpoint makes that a huge advantage than going overseas because if you order a container from china if you're a, a broker buying that and then reselling it you're paying for at least half of that uh, before it leaves the water mm-hmm. and there's no guarantee of what you're going to get when it lands sure so if there's ever a quality issue the management of that situation and then the lead time to get it replaced is is pretty significant yeah So Lance, I want to get into our other counterpart across the world, speaking of overseas, uh, and I want to talk about Malaysia. We here locally uh, at PAC, we talk about, we call it Malaysia, we call it KL for Kuala Lumpur. Uh, You know, there's a a few different terms that we we use internally, uh, but location is Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, and uh, they are just like Mexico, as you described a few minutes ago a um their pack company a pack employees they they are are your and my coworkers, and uh what a weapon for us in our toolbox as a company to have them uh as a resource um will you talk a little bit you know similarly to what we talked about with mexico about um you know how do we enter that market and you know what are we doing over there to support domestic sales Absolutely. It's not completely different rationale t- to uh, open that market over there when we were having a crisis in the U.S. and resin. But, you know, the resin manufacturers were having difficulty with a consistent supply. And so there was even force majeure that we had went through, which really escalates the prices to us and of course, to our customers, but also just the consistency of supply. And with that, we had done investigation of overseas, and we looked at quite a few different countries that had less of volatility in the resin market. And we settled on uh, KL, as you say, Guam, Lapour, Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, for really, the choice to go over there was just to mitigate what we were seeing in the U.S. as far as a resin supply, because 
you know, if we can't get resin, we can't supply our products to our customers. Sure. So that was becoming a a really, uh, well, a real issue for our customers. And we felt that one, it gave us a consistent platform for manufacturing, consistent platform for a raw material supply source, but also gave us a an opportunity to look at other other countries besides the US and Asia, Australia, UK mm-hmm. to supply products in those countries from our plant in Malaysia. And it turned out to be quite fortuitous because the the resin market continued in its instability for some time after we opened the Malaysia plant and we were able to mitigate that mainly for our US customers, but more recently for other countries besides the US, including Pan-Asia, mm-hmm. America. It it's another example of control your destiny. I mean that 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 seems to be the recurring theme here when it comes to uh these international locations for us. It, exactly. It's it's funny because that first step on that journey, if you will, mm-hmm. was Philbo Shaw. Uh as a distributor to a manufacturer. In fact, it was it was quite interesting. The conversation I remember vividly was in the Redmond office and Phil kind of took stock of where we were as a distributor and and his question was, how do we feel about manufacturing in Mexico? Mm. And from that question started that journey. And uh Jim has taken that mantle, if you will, from Phil and and done the same with expanding Mexico into another plant, another manufacturing footprint, and then uh, with Malaysia and expanding Malaysia because mm-hmm. we have two plants in Malaysia now. So we continue to not only step through that process, but uh, further our journey down that path. Take me through a little overview. What what are we doing now in Malaysia? Um, you know, historically, our uh, Malaysia partnership has been focused on polymailers. Uh, but can you walk me through, um, you know, beyond polymailers, uh, you know, what are we offering out of Malaysia from our stock offerings and custom? What, what, what can we do over there? Uh, I am excited and happy to announce that we have expanded – the manufacturing footprint over there to include uh, air jackets, which awesome. are bubble poly mailers. And we just did that, um, opened that line, if you will, up at the end of last year. So that's that's a really exciting opportunity, not only to provide uh, the roll stocks for our air jacket systems, but also to provide, as you say, custom and stock air jackets of multiple sizes. In fact, um, that's one of our big campaigns that we're rolling out. Uh, in fact, this week we're sending out sure. uh, air jacket samples and introductory cards along with some hand sanitizer. And, and why not, given the environment that mm-hmm. we're in? But it just just to show that uh, our air jackets are a perfect opportunity to to ship things that historically people think about in boxes. And in fact, uh, we're pretty excited about that opportunity because in the Asian market, there really isn't an air jacket solution. It's all about boxes. Mm. With the boxes come void fill and, um, you know, 
the labor to pack a box uh, to seal it up, put the void fill in there. So there's a lot of advantages that our air jackets can offer the Asian market that the U.S. market has enjoyed for decades. Sure. In fact, that same air jacket has proven itself time and time again in e-commerce and air courier, honestly, for the last 45 years. So sure. it's, it's nothing it's not a product that's new to us. It's not a product that's been unproven, but it's a product that we get to introduce into the Asian market. And we're really excited about that future. And correct me, but I'm guessing that the plan is not only to introduce that into the Southeast Asia market, but also to you know alleviate production strain here on in our domestic locations, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of things that happened last year, um, we think about the, the environment and the COVID and the quarantine, but what also came about that is people looking to the internet for mm. ordering the stuff that they would normally go to a, a store for. So in doing that, it put a strain on all the U.S. manufacturing mm. uh, to keep up with um the packaging to support that and and also the e-commerce companies and so we were like other companies really looking at everything we could do to optimize our output uh, and get really creative with manufacturing and substrates and and so as you say as that market continues to grow and it will this gives us uh, a lot of opportunity to support the constraint that we all felt last year. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a timely change. Absolutely. And and not only that, the machine that we launched last year for the air jackets, we also have converting lines that are coming in this year that will help support that. So it's not only the the creation of the substrates where the the bubbles applied to the substrate of poly, but it's also as well as the converting of the bags. And so we're adding more capability, capacity in the KL market as well as the U.S. markets. We should see a, a ripple effect, I guess, as, as we continue to expand there. Mm -hmm. You know, to put very, very similar question that I did at the end of our conversation about Mexico uh, a little bit ago, you know, why, why does this matter for our U.S. customers? Uh, and how can they take advantage of that in their day-to-day? -day? Well, I think for, the, for our customers in the U.S., uh, where last year we were making, you know, difficult calls about Hey, you want, you know, 50,000, we can provide 20,000 now, uh, and you'll have to reorder the balance just because everybody was on allocations given the demand for that product. So instead of that call, uh, we can make a call that, Hey, we can provide 20,000 from our U S plants and we'll supplement from our overseas plants. And so we've got a crack logistics team that has worked out some phenomenal contracts uh, to secure freight from overseas. And so even though there may be a week or two difference in the transportation of those products, they're still coming from a pack facility. They still have the same quality systems, the same recipes of film, the exact same care of manufacturing that you will get from our PAC US facilities. So our customers can order from one manufacturer and know that it, a, it may come from multiple US facilities or it may even come from a, an overseas facility that we manage, but they're not having to go out there and make a half a dozen phone calls to, 
to fill their orders. They can make one call to pack and and we internally with the expanded footprint and and as you even said, uh, our new plant in Atlanta can better fulfill those orders than we ever had in the history of pack. One order may come from different locations, but it's gonna be the same quality, the same oversight, the same company. You know, really flexibility is becoming a significant strength. Absolutely. And and it's funny, years ago, I was sitting in a meeting with one of our customers and they asked, what do you feel is your core competence, core strength? Hey, there's a lot of things we do really well when it comes to manufacturing products, the strength of our side sales, the formulation of our films, all of the the attributes of that, you know, dart, tear, elongation, all of that. We do really, really well. But it hit me that our core competence is our service. Mm. And so when we talk about having our customers place one call and being able to satisfy that order from multiple facilities, they get that same world-class service that really I think is our core strength as a company. What a great place to to end. I I mean, you summarized up, I think, better than I could (laughs) the the previous uh, episode. Lance, any last words you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, uh, thanks for coming on. I loved having you here and talking through, um, you know, the diversity of our strengths as a company and uh, how that applies for our customers. Any, anything else you want to say before we wrap things up here? Having spent the last uh, 25 years <laughs> watching PAC become the company it has and the privilege that I've had to work in the the multiple roles, you know, there's probably not a better phrase than the one we have is, you know, pack strong and pack proud. Um, and it's not it's not a boastful pride. It's really an understanding of the care we have for our environment, our customers, and our employees. And mm-hmm. so it really is a, a privilege to be part of the pack. Pack team having watched us grow as a company. So, Lance, thanks for joining us uh, and uh, look forward to Absolutely. having you on here again sometime soon. I look forward to it as well. Thanks, Donald. That'll be it for us on episode seven of Let's Talk Packaging. Thanks again to Lance Fletcher for filling us in on how both Pack Worldwide and our customers can control our own destiny with the flexibility that we can give you on your packaging. You can find us for questions and comments at pacpack.com or searching for us on social media platforms. Pack Worldwide is the premium manufacturer of protective mailers and specialty packaging solutions for the courier, e-commerce, fulfillment, and distribution markets. Thanks for listening with us, and we'll be back soon.